When you need answers, when you need solutions, learn to be quiet and allow the eternal life to speak to you. Seven seven six eight trouble with a purpose part six. Thank you for joining Brothers of the Word because brother, you need the word. <laughs> Just a little humor. Earl and Bob, both obsessed with baseball, never miss their favorite team's game, and they promised that whoever died first and went to heaven would come back to earth and tell the other if there was baseball in heaven. One day Earl died, and Bob anxiously waited for him to come back, and finally Earl did. He said to Bob, I have good news and bad news. I'll tell you the good news first. There is baseball in heaven. Bob rejoiced and said, that's great news. He said, now what's the bad news? Earl said, you are pitching tomorrow night. I can always count on Mr. Ferguson for a couple of extra laughs. I appreciate that, Mr. Ferguson. (laughs) Praise God. We've been studying Trouble with a Purpose, and this is part six. Trouble with a Purpose, part six. And we looked at a scripture. You can flip over to the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 16. The Gospel of John, chapter 16. The Gospel of John, chapter 16. And verse 33, John 16:33. when you get there, say amen. And here Jesus says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation or trouble, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And so we find here that Jesus lets us know that he is greater, Jesus is greater than anything we will ever face in life. He is greater than anything we'll ever face in life. And the good news is he is in you. He lives in us. He now abides in us. And so we're never facing anything in our own strength. We're never facing anything alone because the greater one lives in us. The greater one lives in us. And so we have this same victory that Jesus has. He says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now we share in that victory. We share in that victory because he has overcome the world. That makes us overcomers as well because he lives in us. So the spirit of the champion lives in us. So we have the spirit of a champion on the inside of us. And that is what it is that causes us and propels us through the troubles in life because the greater one lives in us. We are overcomers and we share in his victory and his victory is our victory. 
Now, let me give you some scriptural proof of that. Now, Jesus said, he said, you know, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And let me give you proof that because he is in you, you overcome the world as well. I want to give you proof that you share in his victory and that his victory is your victory. Because we have the spirit of a champion on the inside of us. Flip over to 1 John. 1 John, that's toward the back of your Bible. If you flip to the book of Revelation and just flip back a couple of books, you'll run into 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. But go to 1st John, 1st John, 1st John chapter 5, 1st John chapter 5, 1st John chapter 5. Now remember what John 16:33 says, in the world you're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And now we're proving that because he overcame the world and he lives in us, we overcome the world. We are victorious. We share in his victory. But look at 1 John chapter 5 and look at verse 4 and verse 5. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5. Notice this. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a whatsoever. I'm a whatsoever. <laughs> Notice that. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Same thing Jesus said. Jesus said, you're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Where we're in him, he's in us, and so we share in his victory, so we also overcome the world. That's what Jesus was alluding to. And so it tells us clearly, verse 4 and 5, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Well, that's the spirit of a champion. We have a champion spirit on the inside of us that causes us to overcome. It causes us to have victory. And so we have that on the inside of us. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Our faith in Christ Jesus is what connects us to him and causes us to be in him and live in him and he in us. And as a result of that, he overcame the world. And because he lives in us, we overcome the world. Because we're born of God. And it says clearly here, whatever is born of God overcometh the world. Praise God. Isn't that good news? That's good news. Whatever is born of God overcometh the world. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Verse 5 says, Who is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? And so it's our faith in Christ that causes us to share in his victory and to share in the role of being an overcomer. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm an overcomer. I'm an overcomer. I am an overcomer. I am an overcomer. No matter what you face in life, you always remember that. I overcome the world because of my faith in Christ Jesus. He overcame the world. He lives in me. And greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And so the one who overcame lives in me and we're overcoming today. I'm an overcomer. Because I have the champion living on the inside of me. I have the champion living in me and I overcome the world because he overcame the world and I am in him. He's in me and we share in victory together. Now drop down to verse 11 and 12. This doesn't particularly relate to that, but I just liked it and just throwing it in as a bonus. Turn your neighbor and say he's throwing it in as a bonus. (laughs) 
<laughs> I just liked it. You know, it was so good. I said, I'm going to just throw this in as a bonus. Look at verse 11. 1 John chapter 5, verse 11, verse 12. And this is the record that God hath, past tense, hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son hath not life. And so God has given us something. He has given us eternal life. Tell you, David, say, I have eternal life. I have eternal life. Now, this is not something you're going to get. This is something you already have. It's past tense. This is past tense. God hath, he hath given us eternal life. We have eternal life now. We have eternal life now. Now, eternal life is not just living forever. That's a part of it. You will live forever as a born-again child of God, a believer in Jesus Christ. You will live forever. You are an eternal being. You are an eternal spirit. And so you will live throughout all eternity And so that's a part of eternal life. But eternal life is something that we actually have in possession right now. And it's not speaking merely of the fact that you will live forever, but it speaks in terms of the quality of life that you have right now. It is literally God's life that he has given you right now. God's life is in the Son. And he that hath the Son hath the life. One translation says the life. He that has the Son hath the life. It's the literal life of God has come into your spirit. You have eternal life. You have eternal life. He that hath the Son hath life. And this life, this life, he has given to us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. And he that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son hath not life. And so you have the very life of God. Zoe is what it's called in the Greek, but it's the literal life of God. It's life as God himself has. It's what you have right now. And so God's life has been imparted into your spirit, and you have eternal life. And in that eternal life, man, his victory is in that life. Think about it. You have life as God himself has. You think God is defeated? You think God is worried? You think God has been out of shape? No. You have the very life that God himself is. You have eternal life living in you right now. And I think we should be quiet sometime and tap into that eternal life. Eternal life is in you right now. And most Christians don't realize it. God's in you right now. He that hath the Son hath the life. You have Jesus, you have the life of God living in you. Eternal life is yours right now. Praise God, praise God. Now, that didn't have anything to do with what we're talking about. I just wanted to throw that in. (laughs) That was just a bonus, that was just a bonus. That was so good to me. That was so good to me to know that we have eternal life. We have life as God himself has. And it does relate actually because this life of God that's in us That's the life that cannot be defeated. It's the life that overcomes the world. It's God's life. It's God's life, and God is always victorious. God is a champion. And so it's God's life in us that causes us to overcome anything we face in the world. It's the life of God. It's eternal life in us. 
that propels us through all of the challenges that we'll ever face in life. I like something that Ann Lander said. Ann Lander said, expect trouble as an inevitable part of life. And when it comes, hold your head high. Look it squarely in the eye and say, I will be bigger than you. You cannot defeat me. I love that attitude. I love that attitude. Whenever trouble comes to your life, just meet it head on and just serve it notice. Let it know that I'm bigger than you are because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So I'm bigger than you are and you cannot defeat me. And that's the way you speak to trouble. You let trouble know up front who's in charge. Let trouble know up front who's in charge. But that's because we have eternal life, because we have the Son, because we have Jesus living on the inside of us. The Bible tells us this again. Flip over to Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, verse 37. Romans chapter 8, verse 37 says it very clearly as well. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. Notice what it says there. It says, now back up to actually verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or trouble or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Verse 37, nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now notice that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We are more than conquerors. Now this little phrase, more than conquerors, is actually, it's three words in the English, more than conquerors, it's three words, but in the Greek is one word. And so it's one word in the Greek that expresses itself in three words in the English language. And so in the English text here it says, you know, we are more than conquerors, three words, but in the Greek it's the Greek word, Hooper Nikao. Turn to your name and say Hooper Nikao. Hooper Nikao. <laughs> Turn to your name and say, You are a Hooper Nikao. <laughs> well, that's what you are. That's what you are in the Greek. You are a Hooper Nikao. Sound like I'm cursing almost. <laughs> The next time you want to tell somebody else, say, you hooper nigga. <laughs> now, they don't know that you're complimenting them. You know, they would think you're telling them off, but you're actually complimenting them. Hooper nigga. Hooper nigga. Hooper nigga. Hooper nigga. What that means in the English, it means more than conqueror. But in the Greek, it's just one word, hooper nigga. It's actually made up from two Greek words. Hooper means over and above, over and above. Nigga means to conquer. So hooper nigga literally means over and above conquering. You're more than a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. And the word describes one who is super victorious, super victorious. Not just victorious, you're super victorious. It means overpowering in achieving abundant victory. Hooper Nick Ao. Hooper Nick Ao. That's what that means. That you are super victorious. You're overpowering in achieving abundant victory. That's what the Bible says that we are. We're more than conquerors through him that loved us. Praise God. Well, that's because the Spirit of Christ Jesus is in us. 
Praise God. And that's what makes us more than conquerors because we are in him and he's in us. You never have to face anything alone. You have eternal life abiding on the inside of you. And always remember that. God's eternal life. Because you have the son, you have the life. You have the very life of God on the inside of you. The very life of God is in you. It's the very life of God. And so we have to start learning how to live our lives out of the life of God that's within us. And instead of out of our carnal lives, which have no power, live your life out of eternal life that's in you now. Eternal life that's in you now, the very life of God, life as God himself has, is in you now. Man, doesn't that change your picture when you go lay hands on the sick and pray for them? You got to remind yourself, I have eternal life on the inside of me. It's not just me laying hands on them. It's eternal life laying hands on them. The eternal one lives on the inside of me. I have eternal life. I have eternal life. Now remember, our revivalists talked a little bit about that last week when they were here. They talked about how in our DNA was a portal to the other world. Well, that doesn't surprise me at all because we have eternal life. We have God's life living on the inside of us. We have God's life living on the inside of us. And so we have to learn to live our lives out of eternal life. When you need answers, when you need solutions, learn to be quiet and allow the eternal life to speak to you. You have God's life. He that has the Son hath the life. He that hath the Son hath the life. I have eternal life. I have eternal life. Your spirit knows things that your mind does not know. I'm going to say that again. Your spirit knows things that your mind does not know because you have eternal life. In eternal life is all the wisdom of God. All the wisdom of God. The wisdom of the ages is in eternal life, and that eternal life is in you. And so eternal life knows things that your natural mind is not aware of. And so we can learn to be quiet and listen. Ask him, talk to him, and listen, and allow eternal life to speak to you. Allow eternal life to guide you. Allow eternal life to control your conduct. Eternal life. We don't live from this flesh. We live out of the life that his son has given us. That's eternal life. I'm not waiting to die and go to heaven to enjoy eternal life. I'm enjoying eternal life now because his eternal life is in me now. We possess it now. We have it now. We live in eternal life. We live in eternal life. Praise God. Isn't that good? Man, that's eternal life. That's eternal life. That's eternal life. Now, in these last couple of minutes that I have left, we've been talking about some of the purposes of trouble, some of the purposes of trouble. And I've shared several with you already, and I want to share about nine or ten purposes for trouble if we can gain the right perspective on trouble there are about nine or ten purposes of trouble that I found from God's word and it just gives you a greater understanding of trouble here's one purpose of trouble sometimes trouble is necessary to lead you to your destiny we see that in the life of Joseph if Joseph would have never been sold into slavery by his brothers if he'd have never been lied on and falsely accused and imprisoned if he'd have never been in prison he would have never been in the king's palace he would have never become the prime minister of Egypt so trouble as you see in his life was actually propelling him toward his destiny so sometimes God actually used trouble to propel us toward our destiny we don't even realize it we don't even realize it but if you respond correctly in the middle of trouble then God can use trouble if you respond correctly now remember this trouble is a test trouble is a test life itself is a test God is always watching your response to trouble 
He's always watching your response to difficulty. He's always watching your response to challenges. God is always watching your response. And so trouble is a test. He tests our faith. He tests our obedience. I mean, there are several things God's always testing. He's testing your character. You know, somebody said that a man is not introduced to himself until he's in trouble. That's how you find out who you really are. And so God's testing your quality. Trouble is a test. And so God used tests all the time. He tested Abraham by telling him to kill his son. That was a test. That was a test. God was testing him, testing his faith, testing his obedience, testing his quality. And that's why the Bible says, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to test you, which is to test you. And so God uses trouble as a way of testing us. It's a test. Job was in trouble, but when you really look at it, it was simply a test. It was a test to test his loyalty. It was a test to see if everything was taken away from him, would he still be faithful to God? Ultimately, it was a test. All of life is a test. Every day of your life is important because every day of your life is a test. How will you respond in trouble? How will you respond in traffic? How will you respond when you're mistreated? How will you respond when you're lied on? How will you respond when things go against you? How will you respond when you get sick? All of life is a test. All of life is a test. Trouble is a test. And so God uses trouble as a way of testing. And there are some characters in the Bible who did very well with tests, and there are some who did not. There are some who did not. David had trouble with tests. David flunked a lot of tests. (laughs) Samson, he had a horrible time with tests. See, trouble always, either it develops your character or it reveals your character. So trouble is always developing your character or it's revealing your character. It's a test. It's a test. But there were some great individuals in the Bible and they did very well with tests. Ruth, Ruth did extremely well in the test. Esther did extremely well In the test, Joseph did extremely well in the test. Notice the response of Joseph. He never complained. He was always faithful to God. He was patient. He just did excellent work wherever he ended up. He just kept being his best. See, that was a test. That was a test. That was a test. And so Nehemiah did well in the test. Daniel did well in the test. And so those are some individuals who did extremely well in the test. There are some other individuals who didn't do as well. So remember, trouble is a test. Trouble is a test. Life itself is a test. You're tested all day, every day. You're tested to see how you're going to treat people, how you're going to handle situations, how you're going to control yourself, what's going to come out of your mouth, what are you going to do. It's all a test. It's all a test. Praise God, and I'm out of time. (laughs) You Hooper Niacos. Those of you watching my television, you Hooper Niacos as well. <laughs> but I want you to go to brothersoftheword.com. You can listen to this series absolutely free of charge in its entirety. You can also email it to a friend. Thank you so much for joining us today at Brothers of the Word, because, brother, you need the word.
You are listening to BrothersOfTheWord.com. This was part 6 of the series titled Trouble with a Purpose by C. Elijah Bronner. This message is number 7768. That's 7768. To listen to over a thousand free messages or to send this message number 7768 to a friend, go to BrothersOfTheWord.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to IWantToGive.com. That's IWantToGive.com. Listen to BrothersOfTheWord.com often because, brother, you need the word. Brothers of the Word